nation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. All right, tonight's message, all right, is more of a seminar material. <laughs> to take your son, more like take charge. One moment. Yeah, so tonight's message is more of a, of a seminar material. Um, before I go into it, and the reason I need to go into it is that, write this down, the size of your mind can limit the manifestation of your prophecy. The size of your mind can limit the manifestation of your prophecy. The size of your mind can limit the manifestation of your prophecy. The size of your mind can limit the manifestation of your prophecy. Now, here's the deal. Prophecies like rain, it pours. God gives prophecy. God releases words. God sends messages. But then what determines how much of it is retained or manifested in the earth is largely based on the minds of those who are responsible for it. So this explains the reason why before prophets are sent into the earth, prophecies are given to prepare the custodians of the prophets with the requirements of the, the standards that will maximize those prophets. Let me give you an example. Samson is going to come into the earth, but God is going to speak to Samson's spirits about Samson first. Jesus is going to come into the earth, but God is going to speak to Mary's mind about Jesus. Why? Because if my mind is not prepared for my prophecy, my prophecy will meet me unprepared. Yeah. Um, it's like, let me, let me give, give an example. If someone says to you, a guest is coming to see you, right? Are you going to prepare or not? Will you prepare or not? If someone says, oh, there's a very important person coming to see you, are you likely going to prepare or not? All right, you will. Uh, Jadi says, I will. Admin says, yes, I'll prepare. All right. Now, if the person says, Pastor Adeboye is coming to your house. What's going to be the difference in your preparation? No, what's going to be the difference? Of course, you prepare. <laughs> Olivia says, don't preparation. All right. Now, why? Derry says, I will take extra measures to my, I'll clean strip Okay. Why? What makes the difference? What has made the difference in that context? Exactly because of the spe- uh, because of the specific person, I'm not. I didn't get that. There's a word missing in Idris's comment. Because of the specifics, I'll prepare to tailor to his person. Okay, specific. It's Daddy Geo, the person. All right. Now write this down. My mind gives speci- specificity to my prophecy. My mind gives specificity to my prophecy. 
my mind gives specificity to my prophecy. And in my assessment, relationship with many believers, our biggest issue is not, do I have a prophecy or not? Our biggest issue is not, do we have God's power or not? Our biggest issue is not, do we believe God as it were or not? The biggest issue is what's the state of our minds concerning these things. All right. So quite a number of things to read. I'm going to need, yeah, I'm going to need scholars to post as quickly as we can. But let's start off with Genesis chapter 15 tonight. Let me ask another question before I go there. Excuse me. Another question. When you were in school, let's say you were in year two in school, right? Year two. Unilag, UI, Unilari, Unihome, year two, <laughs> Unihome. And someone said, next week, God is going to send you big money. Someone said that to you. Next week, God will send you big money. What was your definition of big money in year two? Put in the comments real quick. What would you consider big money back then? 20K, beautiful. 50K, beautiful. 200K, all right, big minds. 50K, 50K, 100K, beautiful, 100K, 1 million, okay? 100K, all right. So most people are saying 50K, 100K. Now, your year two as a worker or year two as a business person or year two as investor and someone says, God is going to send you big money next week. What are you thinking about? What exactly will you think about? Tell me quickly. Zaguvarasi. Exactly. 10 million, millions, 20 million. Now, what has changed? Tell me. Has the prophecy changed? Has the prophet changed? Has the context changed? What has changed? Your mind. Your mind. So that means it is possible that I'm settling for 50,000 naira in a 10 million naira possibility. Simply because my mind has not shifted. Okay, somebody's getting it. Somebody's getting it. Are you seeing it? Now, let me tell you what, what the truth is. The truth is the same prophet can tell you exactly the same thing. Same prophet. But if your mind does not change, you are still seeing that prophet as a 50,000 hour prophet. As a hundred thousand, is somebody getting this now? My chest hurts in a good way. Yo, are you seeing this now? Now, well, okay, then let me jump the gun. Yeah, are you getting it? If you're getting it, say I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm seeing it. If you do not, if your mind does not grow in tandem with your prophecy, you will live a limited life. And I think that most of us have settled for less than God's best. Now, let me tell you what, what often happens to people, okay? And this is also from experience. And this is also from, I mean, personal experience and general observation. Do you know that that person who has a 50,000 uh, Naira mind can look at the person that has 10 million Naira mind and in his mind, he thinks, oh, the reason I don't have 10 million Naira is I'm not doing as many activities, I'm not running around as much. I'm not trying to implement too many strategies. I'm not. Do you understand? 
And then the person starts getting into a flurry of activities and still does not deliver a greater result. Are you, is that possible? Do you think that's possible? Yo. So that's what happens with many believers. If I fast longer, if I pray more, if I jump around a bit more, if I uh, give more, of course, give, <laughs> pray, do all those things. But don't let your thinking be based on activity. It is first of all, my mindset. And so as we talk about mega minds, one of the things we must look at is a mindset reset. Somebody shout mindset reset. Mindset reset. My mind must change. And I, I learned this, the, I mean, very hard way. I grew up in a very strong spiritual atmosphere, a very strong spiritual culture, right? The kind of church that my pastor will lead us to do fasting and prayer. First 21 days of the year, we'll fast. I mean, okay, from the second day. So standard, January 2nd to January 22nd, you're fasting. Everybody's fasting, right? Including children. So very strong prayer culture, sound teacher of the word. My parents, amazing, incredible, right? But then I got to a point in my life where I discovered that, see, I'm doing certain things and I'm not getting certain results. Do you know why? Because even the expression of God's word in your life will be limited to the size of your mind. Like pastor, this is psychology. I'll show you from the Bible. I'll show you from the Bible. All right. Already. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15, <clears throat> help us from verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to uh, Abraham. Watch this now, this is very important. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a what? In a what? <laughs> it was a wise one. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a what? I wanted to see, though, please, this is important. The word of the Lord in what? In a what? Now, many times when we see vision, we're thinking about something spooky, we're thinking about something. There are six major faculties of the mind. One of the major faculties of the mind is called imagination. Imagination. That's why when you study uh, uh, John the Revelator, and it begins to talk about the visions of the end time, the revelations of the end time, he's describing certain things, but he has to use references that his mind is exposed to. So he is describing satellites, but he calls them scrolls. It has to take another 2,000 years for us to understand that he's talking about floating satellites because 2000 years later we actually see that the the uh the satellites are made like scrolls who's seen that stuff before let me see if i can get it for you uh, help me now Sorry. But I told you, regardless, in our quest for that, here's a bit of it. Sorry, I'm trying to. Get it for you. So cross scroll.
Okay, let me look at Zechariah, actually. The scroll in uh, Revelations. Okay, when you look at Zechariah chapter 5, verse 1, Zechariah 5, verse 1, it says, I looked again, and before me was a flying scroll. He asked me, what do you see? We'll come back to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 15. I just want to show you something. That even when you have a revelation or a vision, it will sit on the references that your mind has been exposed to. And so if your mind has not been exposed, what's going to happen is that you will reduce the size of that vision to what your mind has become comfortable with over the years. All right? It says, and I turned and raised my eyes and I saw uh, there a flying scroll. And it said to me, <clears throat> what do you see? So I said, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and its width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to the side of the scroll. And every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with its timber and stones. All right. So quite a bit of explaining to do over there. But essentially, thousands of years later, we are, see, we are shown the scroll. Can you still see my, my page? My screen, rather. Can you still see my screen? Yes, sir. It's on, sir. Yeah. Okay, you can. All right. <clears throat> so this commentary says, I think what fascinates me about the Bible is prophecy. Everything in the Bible has at, at least three levels, a literal or surface meaning, an application and prophecy. Most of the prophecy in the Bible has been fulfilled with 100% accuracy. The rest is true because we don't know the, tr the future. We can't say exactly how the prophecies will be fulfilled. As technology changes, though, we may glimpse what God knew would happen. For example, Revelation 13, 16 says that the mark of the beast will be placed on people's right hands or foreheads. From what I've heard, those are two places in the human body that generates enough energy to power tiny embedded chips. Something people in generations past could not have imagined. I can remember that I was a boy uh, when I was a boy, that the mother checked, that my mother checked to see if I had fever by putting her hand on my forehead or the back of my head. Does anybody remember that? Do you remember that? When the nurse would do that or your mother would do that? As we near the end times, more and more prophecy will unveil itself before our eyes. Of course, we have to be cautious that we don't jump to conclusions and say that any current event fulfills a prophecy, a specific prophecy. We can't possibly see the big picture, blah, 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 and it goes on and on and on and on and on. And then it gets to the scroll and says, commentators usually describe the scroll as a large parchment unrolled and waving in the wind. A problem with that is that it won't be visible over the whole earth. Instead of thinking of the appearance, just blah, blah. The point I'm really trying to make, I'm not trying to get into uh, theological depths. What I'm trying to make is, even when you have a vision, your mind is going to look for references because all of learning, write this down, all of learning is making connections with the familiar. All of learning is making connections with the familiar. This is the reason 
when you had a teacher you connected with, you enjoyed the course more and you tended to do well. When you had a teacher that you did not really like, there was already a major disconnect. Not that you were dumb or dull, but because the most essential connection is not a connection with the subject, it's the connection with the teacher. The most essential connection is not a connection with the Bible, it's a connection with the word. The most essential connection is not with revelation, it's with the spirit of truth. The most essential connection is not with insight and rema, it's with the revelator. The most essential connection is not with, hey, oh depth, oh depth, oh apt, oh apt, is from the one that gives all aptitude. Is that making sense? So when we go to Genesis 15, and then we see God speaking, it says that the word of the Lord came to Abraham where? In a vision. What it means is, until you are able to visualize the word of God, it is still likely to slip through your mind or slip through your fingers. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the word. I'll show you that shortly. So do not be afraid, Abraham. We're back to Genesis 15 verse 1. I am your shield. That's an image. I am your shield. That's an image. Your exceedingly great reward. That's an image. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. And the heir of my house is Elias of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Luke, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one but in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him. Now look at that verse five. Then he brought him outside. He brought him outside and said, look now toward what? Heaven. And I don't just want to look at it. I wanted to engage it. Count the stars. If you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him. God accounted to Abraham for righteousness. And then God began to tell him, I brought you out of this and the other. What God was essentially doing to Abraham is that there's a prophecy over your life, but I'm going to need to work on your mind for you to receive the prophecy. I'm going to have to work on your mind to receive the prophecy. There is a prophecy. My word cannot fail. My word cannot lie. But if your mind is not malleable enough, tensile enough, stretchable enough, if my word does not come to a place, rather if your mind does not come to a place where it can accommodate what I have in mind, you will have those prophecies knocking over the windows of your house. And never come into fruition. Is somebody here? That's important. I have so many things open on my system. I can't find my slides again. And by slides, I'm not talking about what Kenneth Kenana slides. Somebody say, Lord, expand my mind. Somebody say, Lord, expand my mind. Lord, expand my mind. All right, so we're going to look at a couple of things that will help all of us to grasp this. The first thing is we want to be able to look at what exactly is the mind. Okay? Now, the mind is the element of a person that enables them to be aware of the world and the experiences. Is that functional faculty? 
that enables a person to be aware of the world and their experiences to think and to feel. It is the faculty of consciousness and thoughts. It is the faculty of consciousness and thoughts. You may also determine, uh, uh, also define the mind as the person's ability to think and to reason. To think and to reason. This is very important. Why? Because when you go to Genesis chapter 2, you're going to see that from the very onset, the being that God made, please, I'm not trying to downplay the place of prayer, but the being that God made from the very onset was supposed to be a thinking being. A thinking being. You are not just designed to be a praying being. You are designed to be a thinking being. Why? Because there's a dimension of your prayer that is sponsored by your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, Baduva. Okay. This is the reason Paul said, I will pray in other tongues, but I'll also pray with my what? With my what? Tell me. With my what? With my what? What will I pray with? I'll pray with tongues, but I'll also pray with what? I also pray with what? Come on, somebody type it for me. With my understanding. Now, who is responsible for the understanding? The mind. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, after I've generated virtue in the realm of the spirit, after I've generated life force in the realm of the spirit, after I've engaged the mystery of God in the realm of the spirit, for me to bring it into the earth realm, my understanding must be nourished genesis 2 verse 7 please somebody give it to us in different translations genesis 2 verse 7 and the lord god formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being now that word there is a living nephish and that nephish means a conscious creature that's that word. Thanks, PLT. Then the Lord, okay, uh, says nostrils, and man became a living being. I'm looking for one that uses another expression apart from living being. It says that that word, the word is nephish, right? And it means a conscious creature. That means that this is not a zombie. This is not someone who's just moving at the nudge of some kind of uh, trigger or remote control, but someone that could relate with God on the premise of their own individuality. Why is that important? It's important because when there's a garden of believers, one prophet can release a prophecy over 200, 500, 10,000 people. But guess what? Each individual in the mix can determine to what degree that prophecy comes to pass in their lives. Let me show you from Jesus. Ten lepers. Jesus said to them, go ask yourself to the priest. Ten lepers. They all went, they were, as they went, they were healed. Only one came back. Why? Leaving Nefesh. Why? We can choose. We can choose. So to the others, they said, you are healed. To that one, it said, you are whole, which is a different thing. Wholeness means just as if, just as if nothing went wrong. The restoration was complete. The restoration was complete. Somebody still not expand my mind. 
Someone say, Lord, expand my mind. Right? When you go to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. What does it say? You can give it to us in different translations, please. Oops. Zavagabato Zidabash. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. It's talking about salvation, the promise of salvation. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come now, let us reason. Please, somebody write down, God is not unreasonable. God is not unreasonable. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they be red as like crimson, they will be like wool. Come now. Uh, message says, come, <laughs> come, sit down. Oops, sorry. Come, come, sit down. Let's argue this. <laughs> See that? Let's argue this out. This is God's message. If your sins are blood red, they'll be snow white. Even though you're not a dwarf. If they are red like crimson, even if you're a dwarf, actually, even if you're one of the seven dwarfs, if they are red like crimson, they'll be like wool. If you willingly obey, you'll feast like kings. But if you're willful and stubborn, you die like dogs. Ah, that's a very graphic <laughs> translation, actually. <laughs> that's right. God says so. So see, God, God is not unreasonable. Now, this is a matter concerning... Oh, someone help us with that. This is a matter concerning salvation. So God says, I want your mind to be involved even concerning salvation. Now, please give us Isaiah 41. Verse 21, and give us a different translation. What's going on? All right, uh, where are we? <coughs> okay, help us. Um, Isaiah 41, verse 21. Give it to us, please. Meanwhile, how was immersion? My plan was to start off with... Uh, with feedback, even though we shared testimonies the final night. All right, now look at this. Give us, give us the different transition, not just the on common ones, okay? Uh, Isaiah 41 verse 21. Present the case for your idols, says the Lord. Let them show what they can do, says the king of Israel. God is saying, bring, bring arguments. I'm not intimidated by your faculty of reasoning. I give it to you. Now, what this means is, if there are results in my life that I'm not seeing, I can ask God questions about them. If there are things that have not happened, and when I ask God questions, I must be willing to wait. I should not assume that I know everything, right? I should not assume why. Because even in a, in a court proceeding, how many of you know that they adjourn, adjourn, 
They adjourn cases, right? Over and over. But many times, number one, we don't ask. Sometimes when we ask, we're in a hurry. And other, other times we ask and we assume. And then we have a string of prophecies that are hanging. Not because God does not have answers, but because we're too impatient or too presumptuous to even hear the details of what he has to say. So present, okay, your, you idols made by men's hands, prove your divinity. Produce your cause. Set forth your case. And King James says, present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your what? Your strong reasons. Strong. In other words, I'm not intimidated by your ability to reason. I gave you the ability to reason. The one who gave you the ability to reason is not intimidated by your reasoning. That's important to note. <clears throat> That's important. Uh, all right. Okay, so let's look at a couple of things and then we'll get, it, we'll get into the text. Uh, Sorry, there's something going on with my slides. Okay. Undo that. Let's do that. What can you guys see now? I'm not seeing what's... Okay, all right. All right, let's look at a couple of things, definitions and stuff like that. This is actually from a paid seminar where you get part of it for free. All right, now, what is the mind? <clears throat> Spoken about this in different ways. Is the part of you that makes you aware of the world, you know, your experiences, how you think and how you feel and all whatnot. This is one important thing for the believer and where many believers suffer in life. Many believers suffer in life, not because their spirits are underdeveloped, but because their minds are underdeveloped. This I have found to be a missing link in many believers' life. Now, the mind is a bridge. It is like third mainland bridge. If you have 100 truckloads at Oroshoki, you have 200,000 cows at Oroshoki. How many of you know that they might die without eating beef in VI? Why? It is not the uh, unavailability of cows. It is the inability to transport the cows from one side of the divide to the other. This explains why the, uh, why the disciples were distinguished. You'll be surprised. I will look at the scripture now. <clears throat> okay, now, somebody's getting it. Somebody's getting it. <clears throat> Someone should please... Uh... Someone should give us Matthew 13, verse 16. Uh, or Matthew 13, start from verse 11, actually. Give it to us from verse 11 to 16. 
You can take it from 11. Matthew 13 from 11 to 16, very quickly, please. This is more serious. See, eh? I think that, well, yeah, yeah. You know, every time a teaching comes, it actually enlightens a part of your mind. But, yeah, it does, really. The entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. But many believers don't even know what the mind is. And so transformation is almost impossible because it's like God is changing something, but you don't know what that thing is. Matthew 13 from verse 11. Where are you? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. So watch this now. For whoever has, what will happen? Is this this not the truth about life? Is this not the truth about commerce? Is this not the truth about you? When you gain momentum, that the more you have, the more is given to you. Have you not seen it? It's in the Bible. That's the more you position yourself as somebody that does not have, the less you will have. The more you position yourself as somebody that has, the more you will get. So for whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not, even what he has will be taken from him. Therefore, I speak to you. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing ahead. Now that is it. That's, that's it. So all this having is talking about and all this possession of the mysteries of the kingdom. What is it? So the way you understand mysteries in the kingdom, the way you have in the kingdom is what? Seeing, they do not see. So seeing is key to possessing in the kingdom. And hearing, they do not hear. So hearing is key to possessing in the kingdom. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. So understanding is key to possessing in the kingdom. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not, and not perceive, for the hearts of these people have what? Grundle. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes, they have what? Closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Then what will happen? If they can hear with their ears and see with their eyes, what will happen? They will understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So healing is a function of turning. Turning is a function of understanding with the heart. Understanding not with the mind, but with the heart. But you can't understand with the heart if you don't understand with the mind. Okay, I hope I'm not jumping the gun now. Do you now understand why the word of the Lord had to come to Abraham in a what? A vision. In a what? In a vision. You cannot become a prophecy you don't see in your heart. You cannot become a a prophecy you don't see in your heart. You cannot become a prophecy you don't see in your heart. You you can pray for a husband from now till five years. But if you don't see yourself married, if you don't see yourself, God God help us today. If you don't see yourself married, I'm not just talking about wearing the white gown. You must begin to see what the gown looks like. You must begin to see what that marriage looks like. You must begin to see it. So when you hear me say, I step pray for my family, when I was 11, 12, you have to understand that there are certain technologies that God pre-installed in every human being. The challenge is most believers think that because I am now a believer, I must no longer be a reasonable believer. Most believers now think that because the spirit of God dwells in me, my brain should go on holiday. My mind should be folded under a carpet. Somebody say, Lord, expand my mind. 
Barak of Isabaj. The challenge is most believers. The challenge is most believers think that because I am not a believer, I must. So my mind must. I must change my mind. And now, what's a mindset? A mindset is an established set of attitudes held by someone. All of us have a mindset. All of us have a mindset. All. Okay? We all do have a mindset. We have a mindset about health. We have a mindset about healing. Uh, health and healing. We have a mindset about, about prosperity. We have a mind. Some of us grew up in homes where they inadvertently told us that if somebody's rich, the person is a thief. Ah, only. These people that just steal, that's how they got money. Now, the danger with that is not that your parents were wrong or your uncles said that we're wrong. That's not the danger. The danger with that is that subconsciously you already sabotaged your process or possibilities of prosperity. Why? Because you didn't want to be a thief. And the only subconscious attribution that you had to wealth in your mind was stealing. So you have no idea why you are slow to take on big offers, big opportunities. You don't know. But there is something in your subconscious mind that keeps sabotaging you. Or maybe some other people that told you, oh, if people are rich, their marriages break up. Or if people are rich, their children become wayward. That if this happens, you know, it's like a zero-sum game. You can't have this if, if you have that. But the biases have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, my mind is expanded. So I've taught this over and over, that it's possible to be a spiritual giant and be a mental dwarf. Right? It's possible. I'm not going to go into all of this because, <coughs> excuse me, because this is like full seminar kind of stuff, but let me just give you four. Thank you. Four major things, right, that determine the outcome of your life. Four major things. Number one is your theology. That's what you believe about God. Number two is your psychology. That's the state of your mind. Number three is your methodology. That's the processes and the systems that you have. Number four is technology, okay, which are the tools that you use, right? So, <laughs> oh, how like You can have, let me know, your theology might be the best theology in the world, like you are accurate doctrinally and everything. But without technology, you will only speak to the 20 people in, in your forogi. Without technology, you will only speak to the 50 people in the Abulemuoleru, uh, where you're a missionary. But there was one, there's one girl I, I stumbled on maybe like two weeks ago. Her name is Angela. I think Angela Summons Nabiru something, Nabiru, something, an African name. She's from Uganda and she records her videos inside the bush. <laughs> she's very black. She's very dark skinned, but very pretty. Very, very dark, right? So all the Westerners are so, just so tricked about her, tricked about her voice, tricked about all of that. And I'm looking at her, uh, her YouTube shorts. She gets like 50,000 likes. She gets like 70,000 likes, 5,000 comments. Now, why? Because she has technology to amplify what she is doing. Okay? Methodology can amplify as well. I, I didn't say philosophy. I said psychology. Jody, you got that wrong psychology what i'm trying to say to you is that your psychology can limit your theology 
Your methodology can limit your theology. God says to somebody, I've called you to be a church planter. The small mind thinks I can plant a church every 10 years. Another mind says, why can't I plant four in the next two years? And part of why this is, part of why this is important is that it's going to require some intentional investment on all of our parts to work on our minds. And the major reason is this, because Nigeria, Africa, they have a way of limiting your mind. Let me ask you a question. So many, many of us have been fasting or fasted before um, immersion and then fasted afterwards and all. Can I ask you a question? Have you noticed that after, if you fasted maybe three days, four, five, seven days, your stomach will start growing smaller? Have you noticed that before? Right? So things shrink when they are not in use. Well, let me tell you, the honest truth is many African minds are not in active use. Many Nigerian minds are not in active use. In other words, you know, thinking about what you're going to eat, that's not the active use of your mind. Keeping body and soul together is not that. So most African minds are small by the compression induced by the pressure of the nation. Are you here? Now, if you say, oh, well, I walk on my mind. I walk on. Have you not seen on social media or even personal conversations where people, you are, you are talking hyper strategy, super intelligent level. People are bringing it down, right? So even if you're working hard on your mind, there are enough people around you who are not vibing at that frequency. Is somebody still here? Now, if somebody seems to be generous in the, the kind of result that you admire, one of those four things is responsible. Either their psychology is different or their methodology is different or their technology is different. Paul wrote more letters. That's technology. Peter did not write a lot of letters. We're not told wrote a lot of letters. Therefore, because of the technology that Paul used, he was able to export his theology into 2,000 years later. Both called of God. One is read every Sunday. In fact, every day by believers. Are we getting this now? Doesn't make him better but it makes his ministry available in a greater dimension. All right? Now, how is the mind shaped? I can't, I can't teach all of this, but you can just write it. Or How is the mind shaped? Number one, essence. The core essence of the mind itself. And the reason that is true is because Adam didn't have a, uh, Adam didn't have a parent, but he had a mind. So the mind has essence in and of itself. But apart from that, minds are shaped by events, events. So for many of us, our first uh, uh, points of fear were predicated on certain events, maybe an accident, maybe attack, maybe violation, abuse, maybe a movie you watched, events. Number three, experiences, experiences. Number four, your environment, environment. Number five, education. This one is very, 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 very major. We see this working very hard in the life of, of uh, Paul because Paul said, I mean, the, the king said, too much learning has nearly made thee mad. <laughs> Let's look at the scripture. That's Acts 26, verse 24. Someone can give it to us. 
at this stage of Paul's defense, Festus acclaimed in a, in a loud voice. Too much learned, right? The Bible says that he was highly learned. That's Paul. So what education does is that it allows you to interface with the broad spectrum of human species, right? It allows you to interface. So it gives you not only more vocabulary, it also gives you more inroads into people's hearts, minds, nuances, thinking, philosophies, right? Number six, exposure. Is that number six? Yeah. Exposure, traveling, going around, you know, traveling. You know, I said to you guys, I said it first like three years ago, go and get your passport, go to Ghana, go to Benin Republic, go to Kenya, go to South Africa, go to Cape Verde, travel because your mind needs to breathe. Your mind also needs to know that not everywhere is like Nigeria. <laughs> right. Okay. <clears throat> Exposure. Number seven, enlightenment. So where you have a revelation, boom, enlightenment. Or somebody who has revelation guides you into that level of revelation. Number eight, so number one, essence. Number two, events. Number three, experiences. Number four, envir environment. Number five, education. Number six, exposure. Number seven, enlightenment. Number eight, empowerment. If you're empowered to do something or empowered to become something, then all of a sudden, boom, your mind begins to... So, for example, if they said to you, you are, you know, they used to do this thing, governor of Lagos State for a day. You remember that? They used to do that. And then, the, you know, the young boy or the young girl would just be feeling cool with himself <laughs> for all of that. Or, let me use another one. When they made you head boy or head girl or city of boarding house prefect or something, you know that empowerment is stretch your mind, right? Stretches your mind. Number nine, exercise. That's scientifically proven. That when we move our bodies, something also moves in our minds. As a matter of fact, emotion is emotion. Emotion is emotion. Emotion. So they say things like, if you're really angry and want to let out steam, run. Run very fast. Run. Now, when you run very fast, you know, you dissipate the inner anger and all of that. Okay that if something is not going the way you planned, you can just run. Just be run. Why, why are you running? Why, why are you running? Exploration. That's investigation, research. Yeah, or dance. True? Dance. It's very difficult for you to dance over time. And then, yeah, exploration and endorsement. If you enjoy the endorsement, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Uh, let me see what part I'm going to skip here because I need to go into the word. All right. So thank you very much. So let's go to our text in Genesis 15. Then we'll move to Ephesians. So in Genesis 15, God comes to Abraham. And when it comes to Abraham, he comes in a vision. Why is he coming in a vision? Um... Hmm. I'm trying to see whether I should.
Give me a moment. All right. Hmm. Should I go in that direction? Help me, Lord. I'm trying to streamline. All right, write write this write these down. Okay. This parts of the mind. Write them down. Six parts of the mind. Number one, consciousness. <clears throat> Number one, consciousness. Number two, perception. Number three, thinking. Number four, judgment. Number five, language. And number six, memory. Okay. Imagination would happen at the junction of perception and thinking, right? A part of your thinking. So there are, there are three key. So there are three major aspects of your thinking. Okay? Your memory, which stores the past. As a matter of fact, almost everything here has to do with your thinking. Your thinking is central to everything there. Judgment is based on thinking. Language is based on thinking. Memory, perception, consciousness, right? But thinking about the, the, your, your mind itself and the seat of thought, you have your memory, which has to do with the past. You have imagination, which has to do with the future. And you have contemplation that has to do with the now. Now, Every time God's word comes into your life, you receive it in the now. But many believers don't allow that word into the other two dimensions. What are the other two dimensions? Your memory and your imagination. Now, don't forget that when man fell, he fell into sin, but it wasn't just the act of sin, it was the nature of sin. And one of the things that sin does is that it actually reduces the quality of your life. Okay? Now, if God says you are healed, God comes and says you are healed. You receive that in a prophetic meeting. You receive that at a time where we're praying or like immersion. And I'm sure this is going to help a lot of people um, manifest their, prof their promises from immersion. Now, when that word comes, how many of you know that there's a part of your memory? What's that part saying? What's that part of your memory saying? What's it saying? Tell me. What's that part of memory? So God says you are healed. The pastor ministers you're healed. No, what's, what's the part of your memory saying? It could be saying different things other way, but thank you very much. Bumi says rem exactly reminding you of the symptoms. Very good at rem reminding you of the pain, reminding you of the time you heard that, reminding you of the struggles. Reminding you of your current situation. Reminding you that before you joined that meeting, your back was still aching. It will do that. Right? 
So what's the solution to that? What's the solution to that? What do you do with that? Let me show you what you do in Psalms 103. This is what you do. Verse 1, Psalm 103. Okay, Psalms is counter to prophecy. That's great. That's very good. But I'll still show you one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Next line, what does it say? <laughs> Forget not all his benefits. So the solution to that is not say, my memory is wrong. I don't want memory again. No, you need your memory. But the same, what you should do is to have sufficient testimonials, blessings, prophecies in your mind. So when the pain is about to rear its ugly head, you already have a bank of promises from the word of God. So how do you get the word of God to move, in quote, beyond the contemplation into the, the past, into the, yeah, the past and the future? Number one, turn that word into a testimony. Turn that word into a testimony. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because I am now healed. I give you all the praise because the pain is gone. The symptom is nowhere to be found. Oh, what a good God you are. You're such an amazing God. Oh, this morning I woke up and there was pain in my body. But now I see the surge of your divine energy. I see your grace at work in me. Thank you, God. How do you navigate into your future? How do you do that? Concerning the future. You turn it into a picture. Because most of the time, when you think about your, your future, do you know you think about your future in pictures? Do you know? Most of the time. The yes, the declaration. That's what you do. Is this practical enough for somebody? That's what you do. You now convert it into a picture. So whether it's a vision board or a declaration, or you paint it, you get Ronel to do a painting because Ronel likes to paint. He said, verse 2, Bless the Lord of my soul, forget all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with love and kindness and tender mercies. Verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your, your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's important. That's important. That's important. Uh, okay. Are we, are we here? Is this good? I'm trying to edit a lot of stuff. Okay. Now, let's look at... Let's look at God. Hmm? I want to know something that God has in mind about your life. God has a mind. God has a picture of your life. God has a picture. That picture is so powerful that he wrote, he scripted your life. And it's, a, it's not a small story. Some of the time, my story is not a small story. My story is a bestseller. My story, story is life-changing. I need to be conscious of that. I need to make judgments based on that. Right? Uh. Hmm. Let me leave those five things for the end. But let me show you Psalms 139. 
Come back. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have set me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and I acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before. So you see that. You have hedged me behind and before. My history and my future, my memory and my imagination. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I let me just skip all of that for time's sake. Please go to verse 12. Verse 12. It says, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me. So you see this. God has a project. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought, woven in the lowest parts of the earth. Okay. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Come on now. In other words, in bringing me to life, God used this creative imagination. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the reason we will struggle to say God used imagination is that God is not limited to a time, time frame. He's not limited to a time lapse. You know all those time lapse videos. He's not limited. So you, you can't really say God was imagining because there's nothing he wants to imagine that he has not done or he cannot do because he's timeless. However, for human understanding, the technology God used in creating the earth, the technology God used in creating you was a technology of imagination, was projecting his desires into the future. Are we getting this now? God used it, and he didn't just see that. He didn't just think about it. What did he do? He wrote it. So you have a prophecy. You said, God, I have a prophecy. Where is the proof of your prophecy? Have you entrapped that vision in a book? Have you distilled it in ink? Have you held it in the simplest life form that you can afford to give it? Or is it just woozy, woozy, woozy around your head? Right? When I showed us the next five years, did you take a cue from that to say, oh, come on, somebody talk to me right now. Talk to me right now. Talk to me. Did he just say, oh, well, Peter's Peter is so visionary. Peter is, oh, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's what star do. Or did you go, oh, my gosh, I need to be able to write this thing down. See what it said in verse 16. He said, your eyes saw my substance. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Before it was formed, <laughs> Beyonce table, there's always something I thought about now. 
Because for most of us, our imagination are a default. And the default of your imagination, the default is at best a mix of good and bad. The default, of, the default imagination of the one who's not saved is bad. The default imagination of the carnal believer is good mixed with bad. The default imagination of the spiritual believer who does not take responsibility for his imagination is a mix of good and bad. The default for a believer who takes responsibility for his imagination is good. Are we getting this now? So why did God, I, I want someone to oof, help me. I want somebody to help me because I'm trying to get back to the text. Go to Genesis chapter 6. Go to Genesis chapter 6. I wanted to see this. Uh, and verse 5. Give it to us real quick. Then the Lord, oh, you know, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That was not the deal breaker. The deal breaker. And that every intent, I want the one that says imagination, I think is KJV. How many get the one that says imagination? And every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Someone give us the thank you. Thank you. But he didn't give us the, uh, the translation there. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only only evil continually. Message says, God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, evil, <laughs> evil, evil, <laughs> oh Lord. evil, 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 from my, this, the person that wrote this message Bible wrote the Yoruba is a Yoruba person. Evil, evil, evil from morning till night. God, Nigerian. God was sorry that he had made the human race and the human race was carrying last for the race. Made the human race in the first place and uh, rhymes. It broke his heart. So see what God said. God said, I'll get rid of my ruined creation. Make a clean sweep. People, animals, snakes, and bugs. Birds, the works. I'm sorry I made them. So, uh, are we getting the point here? See, this is the reason the Bible says the Lord looks at the high. It says man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So somebody can do something, take an action that is wrong. And God, in quotes, judged him right. In quotes. And then somebody can do something that is similarly right. And God says, no, you're wrong. Why? Intent. The tent that is inside. Intent. Internal tent. 
So for this thing that God wanted to do, let me begin to taper it down because of time. For this thing that God wanted to do, let's go to Genesis 15 and tie it up. Number one, if my mind is going to be very, very big, number one, watch this. If I'm going to have a mega mind, I must learn to visualize the word of God. I'm still going to give us about, about five things in terms of vision. The word of the Lord came in a, in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, imagery. <laughs> your excellently great reward, imagery. I must no longer just be a hearer of the word. I must translate the word into visuals. There must be visual elements that reinforce the word. In my conversation, don't forget, it says that when those who were of God got together, books of remembrance were opened, which means that they had references. I'll talk about that shortly. I must be able to visualize the word. I must be able to visualize the word over and over and over. I actually have a, a teaching called How to Maximize Your Prophetic Word. That would be another, maybe we'll do that later in this series or sometime later, Right? But it said, I'm your show, visuals. Excellent great reward, visuals. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Number two, I must be able to reason with God within the premise of his promise. I must be able to reason with God because Abraham just said, ah, now so that they talk, oh, you don't talk since last year. He said, God, <laughs> let's talk about all this thing. Say I go childless, I must be able to reason. Don't reason with your problem. Don't reason. Don't because what happens many times is that when we reason, we complain, we murmur, we grumble. But Abraham directed his question to, to the one who made promises. Don't reason with your problem. Your pro problem didn't give you your promise. Don't reason with your peers within the context of the promise. Because you don't know their own purpose. And so what you consider progress to them might actually be them failing according to what God wants them to do. So that's why comparison and stuff like that can be very dangerous. Even though we should, uh, the Bible says that we should provoke one another unto good works. All right? So you can be provoked unto good works, but don't be provoked unto envy or jealousy or strife. <laughs> right? Because at the end of the day, you, let, let, me, let me tell you this. If it was that easy to know who was doing well, eh? if it was easy to, for anybody to judge who's, in quotes, making it in life, according to God, there will be no need of judgment day. There will be no need of the judgment set of Christ because the judgment set of Christ would be a redundancy if you could look casually and conclude on who has served God faithfully. Is somebody seeing how powerful this is? Did you get what I just said? Yeah. Benedict's good to see you. All right. So it's a, you have to reason based on that. I'll give, I'll give you more portable uh, dimensions. Okay. Now, of course, I'm not saying become lazy and lousy and just, ah, nobody's doing great. No. I'm just saying don't let other people's lives be the benchmark for your own assessment as a all right. Then it said, you've done all of that. Number four, it says, and behold, see that number, verse four, the word of the Lord came to him, say, 
This one shall not be here. So number three, so number one, a revelation in visuals. Revelation in visuals. Number two, reason with it. Number three, repeats the promise, repeats the prophecy. I've discovered that even in Kings, when I give a prophecy and people come back to testify many times, the people who testify are people that said, oh, Peter, I cut out that part of the message. Or somebody sent it to me, sometimes even somebody who's abroad, somebody sent it to me. I was listening to it over and over. I can't remember someone told me that they listened to a message or a prophecy between 20 and 30 times. Right? See, God was speaking to Abraham and God repeated the word to him. He repeated it. It's in the repetition that the hindrances begin to melt away, that the, the, the resistance begins to break, that your memory begins to catch up with your imagination, that the prophetic word begins to sit in that place. All right? And then the next is, and behold, well, the Lord came to him saying, this shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. Number four is reputable references. Reputable references. You need external references. And I say it over and over and over. One of the things the enemy tries to do if let's say you've been maybe in Kings for a couple of years and then there's a sister or brother in Kings who seems to be having all the testimonies, seems to be having all the breakthroughs, seems to be having all of that. The enemy really wants you to become envious or jealous or distanced from that person, right? To create a wall. But what you also need in that season and every season of your life, you need people who are reminders of the promises God gave you. You need people who are currently embodying what your mind has accepted to be true. So David needs Jonathan. Jonathan is never going to rise to the throne, but Jonathan grew up in it. He has a different mindset from David. David needs that mindset. He needs not the heart set. The heart set was a spirituality and his love for God. But there's the mindset of kings. So there are some people that may not even have your kind of heart. Oh, come on now. Can I talk right now? Can I talk? Now, they may not be your best buds. They may not be working for beast buds. You may not even have cutting buds. <laughs> right? But that mindset, God could have easily raised Moses outside of Egypt and then sent him to, send him to Egypt to deliver Israel. No, but he needed a mindset of rulership. Joseph, we could have just seen the story, Joseph was sold, and 15 years later, he delivers Israel. No, but Joseph, as a matter of fact, you will notice through the Bible, a dimension of people who had governmental destinies, a dimension of their mind, required education in fallen kingdoms, in heathen worlds, to be able to write. Is somebody following what I'm saying? So everybody says they want to be a Daniel, but, <laughs> Yeah. Daniel had to work with a maniac. I will get in this. So you need that. And then the, the next thing, the final thing, is that you need to release the prophecy as your reality. Okay? Why? Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. 
He assumed it as his reality. He believed in the Lord and God accounted it to him for righteousness. He was also establishing the template for salvation because in Romans 10 verse 9 that I preached from on Sunday, with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So let's go to Mark chapter 11, which I spoke about on Sunday. If somebody gets in something, Mark 11. Now, see verse. Somebody say, My mind is getting bigger. I'm thinking about big things. When God speaks to me, I don't reduce his word to the size of my past, to the size of my bank account, to the size of my money, to the size of my uh, school degree, to the size of my friends, to the size. My mind is being stretched, it's being enlarged, it's being equipped, it's being strengthened in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, my mind is expanding. God took Abraham and said, look at the stars. He didn't just say, look, he said, count them engage them, interact with them, interact with them, engage them, look at the stars, because one day your, your, your children will be as many. One day you have as many branches of this. One day kings will spread to this dimension. One day uh, Shire Bottles will spread to that dimension. One day Lady Jade's name will be everywhere. One day Pialt is going to be the most sought after marriage counselor for kings and queens and presidents. One day, come on, am I prophesying already? As I'm prophesying, begin to practice what I have taught. That you, as, you assume it to be true. See, faith is a kind of assumption. It's not just an assumption, but it's a kind of an assumption. Faith assumes God's word to be true. Assumes God's word to be true. Are you getting it now? Mark 11, 20. You know the story? They saw a fig tree and Jesus cursed the fig tree and all of that. Now it came to pass as they were passing, they saw the fig tree dried up from where? The roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, now, before I talk about that, you know that line that says, that I just said now, faith assumes God's word to be true. How many of you know that when you think about it like that, that means that you now understand why God does not like faithlessness. Right? Because faithlessness assumes that God's word is not true. Now, it will let you treat God's word with greater weight. It will let you treat God's word with... Are you saying that? Because that's why the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you do a lot of activities without faith, you're not pleasing God. If you do, in quotes, all the right things without faith, you're not pleasing God. And to not please God means that you're saying, God, you're a liar. I don't think, I don't think you're right. God, I, I don't think you have enough data to conclude that what you're saying can happen. I don't think you considered my height, my weight. I don't think you considered my past, my history. I don't think you considered my fear, my failure. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. I proclaim concerning you everything that is not planted by God. Everything in your mind, in your body, in your soul, in your spirit, in your psyche, everything in you, around you, that was not planted by God. I command it to dry up in the name of Jesus. I command it to dry up in the name of Jesus. I command it to dry up from the roots. From the roots, from the roots in the name of Jesus. 
every ailment, every sickness, every weakness, every infirmity, I command dry up now in the name of Jesus. Everything, everything, I command it to dry up now in the name of Jesus. I need to run because I'm trying to close quickly. So Abraham, so Abraham, uh, and Peter remembering, now look at that. What's that? What's that? Peter, what? Remembering. What part of the, of the mind is that? What part of the thinking is that? Peter. Memory. What was the memory? What God had said. Remember, said to him, Rabbi, Luke, the fig tree which he cursed has withered away. What did Jesus say? Jesus was so chilled about it. You know what you call this alignment? It's going to take a bit of practice. It's going to take a bit of time to practice it. But once you get into that place, that's as God said it, you are accepting it to be true. In other words, the frictional resistance does not lie with you. The frictional resistance lies with the systems of men or the processes of men. Let me explain what I mean. When Jesus said to them, I mean, uh, Mary said to them, John 2, whatever he says to you, just do it. Mary was speaking out of experience. I've lived with this guy. I know his capacity. The resistance is not with me. The resistance can only lie with you, your disobedience. Okay? Now, you know, the moment they began to fetch water, what would delay them? What are things that could delay them? Turning water to wine will not delay them. But not filling the water pots with water could delay them. Having leaky water pots could delay them because they fill them up. Personal arguments could delay them. Disunity amongst them could delay them. But in terms of functional efficiency, Mary was settled. I pray by the mercy of God that your mind gets into that level of settlement. That as God is speaking to you, as you are hearing the word of God, you are so in tune, you are so aligned, you are so in sync. Now the friction will not come from you. And even whatever friction there might be outside, you will have sufficient power, sufficient grace and strength to be able to order them into alignment and perfection in the name of Jesus. Jesus said to them, have faith in God. Don't have faith in your memory. Don't have faith in your future. Have faith in God. Now, why? Pastor, are you saying don't believe in your testimonies? No, believe in your testimonies. Are you saying don't believe in the person? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is have faith in God. Why God? Because God is multidimensional. It's possible for you to have faith in the past and not in the future. It's possible for you to have faith that God healed you in 2019. And then the enemy says to you, I but God could have healed you in 2019 because there was no COVID. You know, when COVID came in 2020, everybody's resistance fell short and all. You know that's possible. So you can have faith in God's operations in the past and still be stuck now. You can also have faith concerning the operations of God in the future and be like, oh, well, let's see what's going to happen. And we see that between Mary and Martha. He said, if you had been here, Martha said, if you had been, been here, my brother would not have died. He said, I'm the resurrection of the life. So I know that you raised him up on the last day. So Martha's faith, Martha's mind was not big enough, was not mega enough to accommodate all the dimensions of time. The mind was either jumping to the past or to the future. 
But by the grace and the mercy of God, I proclaim that your mind is growing larger, that your mind is growing bigger, that when God releases a prophecy, it's not shrinking. You are the one growing to the capacity of your prophecy. I proclaim concerning you, you are not reducing your prophecy to your current level. As surely as you are not reducing the 10 million naira to the 50,000 naira mind in year two, you are the one growing. Your spirit is expanding. Your mind is being enlarged. Your territories, your inner territories have been expanded in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, my mind is mega. Somebody close your eyes wherever you are and begin to proclaim in the name of Jesus all the promises and all the promises that God has given to you in immersion, before immersion, concerning one billion souls, concerning a, a global footprint, concerning the growth, concerning your personal impact, concerning your value, concerning your contribution to your generation. Proclaim in the name of Jesus. See the walls crashing. See the limits falling. See the resistance failing. See the works of darkness collapsing. In the name of Jesus. My mind is mega. My mind is big enough to accommodate. Different time zones. Somebody say have the faith. Have faith in God. If I have faith in God, I don't have to worry about the past because God is there. If I have faith in God, I don't have to worry about the future because God is there. If I have faith in God, I don't have to be bothered about now because God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Just have faith in God. For as surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt where in his heart. So what is a mega mind? A mega mind is a mind that is so connected to the spirit that it does not have to wait. It does not have to wait for the right processes to be in place before it dares. It does not have to wait for the right people to be around before it reaches. It does not have to wait. It assumes God's word to be true. It moves beyond the limits of the now. It is not living based on resources. Resources are showing up based on his orientation. Oh, come on now. Resources are showing up based on He said, for surely, see, I say to you, whoever says, he didn't just say, he said, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, uh, but believes that the things he says, are you seeing that? The things that he says. So he has a revelation. He has a revelation. Manika Botabaya. He has a revelation and, and he is, he is reasoned with God. That's why he's able to say. Now, the, his reason is not, can this happen? No. His reason is because God said, it's going to happen. I believe it to be true. And then he says, he said the things that he says, he's saying it. And then he has references. He said, he believes in it. He does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have what he says. Then he releases that prophecy. He says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is the process of God. Somebody shout, my mind is mega. Shout my mind is mega in the name of Jesus. Some examples of mega mind in the Bible. The Bible makes 
very clear. Karubaza. Somebody say, somebody say, I'm clear on that now. Somebody say, I'm clear on that now. I'm clear on that now. The Bible says that they brought, they brought uh, loaves of bread to Jesus. As a matter of fact, they said, people had been there all day. They were hungry. They, they were hungry. They were starving. And then Jesus said, go and see what you have. A mega mind does not think small. A mega mind does not think broke. A mega mind does not think limited. A mega mind does not think lack. A mega mind does not think impossible. A mega mind. Jesus said, go and see what you have. A mega mind always knows that I have something. Come on, somebody say, I have something. A mega mind always knows that I have something. A mega mind always knows there is something, there is something, there is something. I don't know how it's going to be enough, but I know that it's going to be enough because God's hand is upon it. God's hand is upon it. I'm never out of resources. There is something in my house. There is provision in my house. There is supply in my house. There is increase in my house. When God gives me a vision, I'm not trying to think about what's the smallest it can be. I'm thinking about what's the biggest it can be. So even if I don't see the fullness of the of the size in my lifetime i can hand over more than hopes to my my children i can hand over pictures of possibilities i can hand over massive imagery i can hand over blueprints zakovina sabratiza shobalai first chronicles 4 9 to 10 by the way we are here now because of abraham Abraham. Concerning Jabez, First Chronicles 4, 9-10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you will bless me indeed and enlarge my what? Territory, that your hand would be with me and that you will keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. What did God do? What did God do? What did God do? God, God did what? Granted his requests. What was his request coming from? His mind. God enlarges your territory to the degree to which your mind is enlarged. God enlarges your territory to the degree to which your mind is enlarged. Final scripture Yes, there's so many others, but let's land. Romans 12, we know it, but I'm sure now it will mean something completely different. Romans 12, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. By the renewing, I'll continue from here on, on Sunday, the renewing of your mind, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Somebody say, my mind is enlarged. Say, I have a mega mind. Say, I have a mega mind. 
Somebody now, you understand why the devil tried to attack your mind so many times. Somebody now, you understand why the enemy tried to shrink your thinking. Now, somebody understand why it always looks like why, why it always looks like things that add up for you, like things that work out for you. Somebody now, you understand it. Does somebody understand it now? That expanding your mind, I gave you those 10 things, it's also your responsibility. I wish I could talk to you about the children of Israel. When God was going to take them to the promised land, do you know he took them through those 10 things? He took them through those 10 things when he was going to take them to the promised land. Before they entered the promised land, he said, hey, guys, I'm going to have to expose you to other stuff. Right? He gave them events. He gave them experiences. gave them environments. He gave them education. He gave them exposure, enlightenment, empowerment, exercises, exploration, endorsement. You now take responsibility for your mind. What books are you reading? When you read the Bible, are you engaging your imagination? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit paint pictures on your heart? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit paint pictures on your heart? Yeah, give them a lot of events, miraculous events. What are coming out of the rock, parting the Red Sea, quail and manna? Those were, see, God was not just giving them those miracles to just deliver them. Was to also stretch their minds. But unfortunately, many times when we see the miraculous, we just assume that God doesn't want our minds to be involved. But think about it. Almost every miracle that God does, there's an activity that requires the engagement of a healthy mind for that miracle to happen. Peter, cast your net to the right side. Your mind must know where is right and where is left. Fill the water pots with water. Your mind must know what was the water pots. Water, what was it? Uh, a borrowed jars of oil. Your mind must know. Why? Because to sustain a miracle, you don't just need the power that produced the miracle. You need a sound mind. For God has not given a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Many believers, they get it right with the love part. Many believers get it right with the power part. But the sound mind, we're getting it right. Anybody blessed tonight? Anybody blessed tonight? Anybody blessed tonight? Zubarata What will you do differently? Tell me. Really blessed. Very blessed. Me. Yes. Tell me, what will you do differently? Because again, don't forget, we don't just want to be heroes of the word. What will you do differently? Visualize more. Repeat the prophecy slash the word. Good stuff. All right. Ask the Holy Spirit to expand my mind. Paint pictures in my heart when I pray and declare the word. Control how I think and see things. Work on my mind and visualize what I want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the purity of your word. We thank you for the capacity of your spirit at work in us. We thank you, Lord, that the same way you took Abraham outside of his tent and you caused him to see the stars and to count the stars. And after those encounters, Abraham believed you and you are counted unto him as righteousness. Lord, I thank you that tonight as we yield ourselves, our hearts, our imagination, 
our thoughts, as we yield those elements to you, God, we thank you that you are counting it as righteousness. You are counting it as a new beginning. You are counting it as your nature, as the new normal in our lives. Our lives will never remain the same again because we're optimized, we're transformed. Our results will become different. Our results will come better, hotter, fresher, faster in the name of Jesus. The things that were once pending promises, pending prophecies, hanging blessings, they now have a solid space to land on. They now have a solid space to to rest on because our minds are now expanded and enlarged to receive the weight of our prophetic words. And Father, we're thinking that our lives will never remain the same again. We are changed, forever changed, forever transformed. In Jesus' name, I pray for anybody here whose mind is under attack, who might be confused, who might feel confused, who might feel overwhelmed, who might be dealing with some paranoia, hallucination, hysteria, delirium, schizophrenia, whatever disease of the mind may be seeking to gain entrance. I judge, I judge, I judge, and I shut out in the name of Jesus. I proclaim the peace of God that passes all understanding. We will produce mega results going forward. We will produce mega results going forward. We will not just dance around prophecy. We will run with the manifestation of the same. We give you praise, our Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. All right, God bless you. I really uh, thought we are going to get some time to talk about immersion. But if you have testimonies from immersion or highlights you want to share and things like that, please share on the group. It's always encouraging to see what God is doing. Or if you have a testimony between then and now or just changing your life generally. All right, God bless you. The is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org. And send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.